Hey guys and gals, Cable here, and this week's podcast is brought to you by the place that you need to be hanging out. Of course, I'm talking about the new Go Wild app. It's a social media platform for hunters and anglers created by hunters and anglers. That's right. No negativity. You're not going to find anti-hunters, anti-Second Amendment, anti-American people on Go Wild. Just folks like you and I who are passionate about our way of life and the great outdoors. And did I mention it's free, by the way? Yeah. So download Go Wild on your smartphone and join in the conversation. It's a great place to not only share trophy photos, but ask questions related to hunting and fishing. The Go Wild community is always happy to help out a fellow outdoorsman or woman. Uh, plus, you can share recipes, log time, listening to your favorite podcast. And, and Go Wild usually has some kind of kick-ass giveaway that they're doing as well. Check it out. It's the Go Wild app, and I will see you over there. Uh, hey y'all, it's Charlie Robinson, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Well, I got ties to show, a backbone made of silver. Well, I got Willie playing on my radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Cable Smith. Welcome everybody to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Of course, it had to be Charlie Robinson feeling good. Kicking things off for us today as uh, the news came down this week that Charlie's career is uh, over from a singing and performing standpoint, had surgery, and due to a complication, uh, the guy can't sing anymore. So that really sucks for the Lone Star Outdoor Show's own Charlie Robinson. But his music will live on, and, and hopefully uh, he won't put the pen down and, and he'll keep writing songs because uh, he truly is an amazing songwriter as well. Anyways, you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos because we've got a great show lined up for you. And off the top, we will be joined in studio by Matt Baines of Kofieger Industries. They've got a new innovative uh, shooting product that we're going to discuss. It's called the Ambush. And if you hunt out of a blind of any kind, you're going to want to take a look at it. Uh, so we will do that momentarily then uh, an interesting roundtable discussion i went down to the texas coast and did some teal hunting uh, it was a media hunt and i joined uh, chris jennings of ducks unlimited our longtime friend linda powell of mossberg firearms and andrew howard of howard communications and uh not only was the teal hunting exceptional so was the conversation we sat down for a discussion uh, on a, a myriad of outdoor related topics and we'll take a listen to that discussion coming up in a bit. And then we'll round out today's broadcast by checking in with Tim Milligan of Plateau Land and Wildlife. You know, a lot of folks have cattle on their place, which is fine. Uh, some people do it to make a living, but I think you'll find that more folks actually have cattle on their property to get an ag exemption, a tax break. Well, what if you could get that same tax break by enrolling your property or convincing your landowner to enroll his property into wildlife management. It's certainly an interesting opportunity, but how do you go about it? Uh, who do you file with? And how can Plateau Land and Wildlife help you through that process? We discuss all of that uh, with Tim coming up at the bottom of the hour. That's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Guarantee you that. A couple other things to take care of. This is your last chance to get in your September photo of the month submission for a chance to win the All Seasons Feeders Fire Pit and Grill. Uh, perfect for sitting around the deer lease, you know, after a long day of 
uh, hunting. Nothing better than cracking open an ice cold beer and trading war stories with your buddies around a, a great campfire. Uh, and we've got the, I think it's 36 inches in diameter. We've got a Lone Star Outdoor Show edition one that we are giving away this month. Email your best hunting, fishing, outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Of course, you can also post them on Instagram or our Facebook pages as well. And we'll get you entered. And then our, our winners, our monthly winners from 2018, will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. Uh, let's do a quick giveaway. How about a shirt and cap combo from Coast to Sunglasses? Yeah, and uh, I'll throw in a Lone Star Outdoor Show sticker as well. All you need to do is email the word Costa, that's Costa, to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com, and we'll get you entered into the drawing for the Costa prize pack. Let's take a break. Up next, Matt Baines of Kofieger Industries drops by, and we'll discuss the latest and greatest shooting technology uh, from this innovative company. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. That barber dancing So I'll just drink Keep on being The way I am Cable here for iSocialBoost.com A tool that many outdoor enthusiasts Are using to grow their Instagram audiences And if you're growing your Instagram audience You're growing your brand I recently let iSocialBoost.com Take over a new page I created And the growth has been incredible iSocialBoost can help you expand Your audience to heights you never imagine. Plus, you'll save 80%. That's right, 80% off your first week if you use my promo code Lone Star. That's Lone Star at iSocialBoost.com. These are real followers who engage on a regular basis. Check it out, iSocialBoost.com. Howdy, folks. I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. That one goes back a ways. The Bottle Rockets $1,000 car bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith, so great to be here talking outdoors with you today. We've got some uh, interesting shooting stuff to get into with our buddy Matt Baines from Kofieger Industries as they continue to push the innovation envelope within the hunting and shooting communities. And we'll discuss the ambush rest here momentarily. But before we grab our ARs and get into that, this segment of the show is brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land is the one thing they're not making any more of. Well, Lone Star Ag Credit has you covered. They've been in this game for over 100 years, helping folks finance their own slice of paradise, whether that's for recreating, running cattle, uh, hunting, or just get out of the big city for a couple days. Uh, Lone Star Ag Credit will do the same for you, and you can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest today. He is live in the Lone Star Outdoors Show studio. Joining me now, it's my pleasure to welcome Matt Baines from Kofieger Industries. Thank you. Appreciate it. Glad Ab to be here. Absolutely, man. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, so before we get into some of the latest and greatest from Kofieger Industries today, uh, 
talk a little bit about about the company's history. Um, we've had we've had Garrett in studio a couple times over the years, um, but you guys released the Reaper Grip back in what, what year was that? Two thousand fifteen. Thirteen. Thirteen. God, been it's already been five years. Right, our original Reaper Rest, uh-huh. and then the Reaper Grip came along about twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. Okay. Right. Awesome. Awesome. And how did you guys? I mean, your background. And his background, obviously, is what led you to start this company. Talk a little bit about what you guys do. Okay. Um, We're both prior military and current police officers, and we just saw an obvious need to kind of bridge the gap between, say, your professional shooters in law enforcement and the military and your your outdoorsmen. Um, And we saw an obvious need there, and... To basically create a, a rifle support shooting system and combined with uh you know garrett's a prior marine corps scout sniper he's currently a sniper on the swat team and i'm an avid outdoorsman and shooter and have training and experience in rifles and long range stuff and so we just kind of combined ourselves our knowledge our experiences and uh created this thing so and, and obviously, we've seen the the tactical side of things kind of explode over the last decade or so. Now we've got some new stuff out in 2018, which I think y'all unleashed at uh, Texas Trophy Hunter Show this summer. Yes, it's our uh, deer blind mount called the Ambush, as well as the Reaper Rail, which is more conducive to your gas gun, your AR platforms mm-hmm. with uh, the Arca Swiss or the Picatinny Rail. Yeah. So, well, Matt, how many? Box blinds, do you think there are sitting here and yonder throughout Texas? <laughs> a million? I think there are more than a million. I mean, there's millions. Uh, and the ambush, like you said, is designed specifically for those blinds. Why was there a need for the ambush, however? I mean, I've taken my, uh, my, my entire tripod with the Reaper grip into the blind. Uh, so what what was it from a functionality standpoint? Why do we right. need an ambush? And, you know, and I have two for years. I've 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 got three sons, and we take the tripod and the Reaper grip, and and uh, we take them to the blinds with us. And my sons have shot all their deer on a tripod and a Reaper grip. And originally, our original idea was to come up with a deer blind, a box blind mount, mm-hmm. and it just um, the tripod kind of took over, and the the predator hunters, the pig hunters, kind of. Uh, where the the immediate need and where the market is and was and so we focused on the tripod shooting system and finally came back around to finishing our original product which is the deer blind mount Mm -hmm. and um you know is that from just like a space standpoint yes and a safety standpoint um stealthy standpoint just again combining some of your uh professional aspects of shooting and bringing it to the common outdoorsman yeah and uh, so, I mean, you know, the advantages you get with it is, uh, you know, shooter fatigue, buck fever, mm-hmm. all that stuff is, is uh, eliminated for the most part. Sure. And you also have a, a rifle that is now trained and locked into your target area, freeing up the floor space, you know, no, no more kicking the box blind or banging the muzzle into the wall as you're trying to sneak it out the window. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just safe. I've done all that stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. Every, yeah. And, 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 kicked, and I've kicked the tripod, you know. Oh, for sure. I, yeah. Like I said, I take that, that Reaper grip into the blind with me. And one, and one of the most fun things I've ever done with it was uh, my wife's not a hunter, but she loves to eat wild game. She, you know, she knows it's my life. But I, she actually went down to South Texas with me 
and was sitting in there with the uh we had the reaper grip and filmed an all dad hunt it was nice cool yeah so uh but yeah that there was two of us in the blind and you could see with with that it made it pretty tight right Uh, so this element the ambush eliminates that how do you how would you sell this to the east texas good old boys like i don't need that i'm just gonna set my rifle on my windowsill and shoot me a buck well and and that's that's a that's (laughs) a good question very good question because the predator hunters and the pig hunters it is a very commonsensical product to have the tripod, the Reaper grip combined with your AR and your either your your, your optic with tactical turrets or thermal and all that weight is just uh, an obvious perfect little marriage there. Mm-hmm. But the whitetail hunters, the guys hunting out of box blinds, hey, that's cheating. If I you know I don't need that if I if you can't hit a deer at two hundred yards, but and but those same people. You know, have gut shot deer. <laughs> They've wounded animals and not been able to recover them. It's so they're they're a tough crowd, you know. And yeah. it's just like sitting around the campfire arguing over, you know, the old thirty thirty versus the thirty out six, and what's the ultimate Texas deer rifle, you know. Sure. And it's that same crowd. But um, I think once you get behind one of these and kind of and feel it and see it, it's it's a uh, you know kind of sells itself. Yeah. And when you're serious and you put that homework in with your trail cameras and your scouting and all the efforts and money and time and energy invested you actually do want a good queen a clean quick harvest and a good good shot placement and at the end of the day that's what this is it's a rifle support system to enable you to make a good efficient kill absolutely and so it it actually uh attaches with a bipod so explain the design just because it's hard to do over the radio but right uh for our listeners explain how it attaches to your deer blind and not every deer blind is made equal you know we've got a hundred deer blind manufacturers out there and then we've got east texas good old boy like we said who makes his own blinds and takes pride in you know building his own blind exactly and none of them are the same so talk a little bit about that and we uh primary primarily looked at the the good old boy box blind Uh um that's probably what still today most people hunt out of your your plywood or osb board uh box homemade garage made box blinds and this will lock on to most of your blinds, whether it be a composite, a fiberglass, a metal, a wood um, skinned box blind, and uh, it's got four points of adjustability in it that make it versatile enough to to handle all these different box blinds. Um, the only problems we're seeing is those uh, custom blinds that have the big shooting s- shelves mm-hmm. built into them. I don't, you know, we're, you can't really work around that. And are those you, shooting shelves or those beer holders? Well, I, you know, exactly. <laughs> you know, it just depends on if the kids are with you on that hunt or not, right. I guess. But, but uh, so, and in that case, you use the, the bipod that's on the front of your rifle and, the, you know, a sand sock in the rear, and you're good to go, uh-huh. you know. Okay. Um, so, as far as, obviously, you want to talk about functionality, uh, it works with the brand-new Reaper rail. Also, the if you have a, a Reaper grip, this ambush works with it as well correct it's it's all uh interchangeable if the customer currently has a reaper grip and they want to uh run their you know ar platform that has the arca swiss or the picatinny rail on the handguard they can uh they can adapt it they can change over to the rail now the rail has the added benefit of um it has the ability to cant Mm -hmm. 11 degrees right and left and so if you're if you set up hastily and your levels, uh, your reticle is not perfectly level. You can roll that rifle, level out your reticle, to take that uh, well placed, longer range shot. And so that's great for the ambush, but also you put the rail on the uh, 
on the Reaper, I guess on the existing bipod, right? Um, on the existing that, tripod. So, yeah, the tripod. I mean, yes. um, if you're in the field, if you're hunting hogs or predators or whatever, that adjustability that can't is crucial. Right. Because sometimes, like you said, you throw your, your tripod up hastily and the legs mm-hmm. are uneven and then you're all wonky and, yep. you know, this. Uh, and it's st- a little quicker and it's a little smaller and a little lighter. So those mm-hmm. are all advantages to our pig hunters who are spotting their pigs with thermals at couple hundred yards and then they're stalking in on them yeah so it lightens up the load you know and every every ounce counts and those guys know they know what i'm talking about out there at night oh, 2 a.m yeah. trying not to make noise yep yep um okay so let's talk about the price point for the ambush mm-hmm. it uh, comes in at 189 that's without the bipod because most or i would say several a large percentage of rifle hunters you know rifle shooters and hunters already have a bipod sure and machined into the frame of the ambush is uh, the 1913 picatinny rail and so if you have a bipod that attaches to either the sling swivel or the rail it will work on the ambush if you have the sling swivel you have to get the little adapter plate to make it uh, uh you know for the to work on the picatinny rail uh-huh. okay and so also it ha- we have an arca swiss option and a lot of the rifle manufacturers, the chassis makers now are integrating the, the Arca Swiss into their rifle chassis. And so that is also an option. It's the, the rail comes either or with the uh, Picatinny or the Arca Swiss mount. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So I don't have to go out and buy a bipod if I have one already. Um, but you guys do offer an affordable one. Yes. If you don't have the bipod, I think that comes in at two twenty nine. Correct. It's one eighty nine for the ambush without the bipod, and two twenty nine for the ambush with the that comes with our the the bipod we offer. Uh huh. Okay. And then as far as the new uh, Reaper rail, what is the uh, price point on that? It's the same as the Reaper grip at three twenty nine. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And also on the Reaper rail, you can buy just the uh, the top portion. Excellent. And we're going to give away. Uh, just FYI, we're going to give away the Ambush and Reaper Rail, the, the whole shebang. It's like over $500 package. Uh, we're going to give it away in October. So y'all stay tuned for details on that promotion. Uh, Matt, is there anything else that uh, we haven't hit on that we need to concerning the latest and greatest from Kofiager Industries? Um, well, I can just tell you to stay tuned because we have things in the hopper and <laughs> the, the cookbooks are always on fire. So. Awesome. We'll be we'll be coming out again in due time with another another you know good hit. So and you guys always uh, it seems like when you guys get a shipment they go pretty fast. Yes. So do we have everything in stock right now? We uh, we do. And Isn't that great? Isn't that great it, problem to have? That when you but it, but it is a problem. It off the <laughs> you know it is <laughs> because what it leads to is frustration from the customer, and, yeah. and that's the last thing that we that we want. And so we try to stay ahead of it. It's but growing being, pains for, uh, it is, you know, okay. uh, we're a small business yeah. and, uh, so it, it's, it's a headache to, to stay up with the, the demand. So yeah. we're trying right on, right on. Well, awesome stuff, Matt. Thanks for dropping by the studio. We look forward to uh, this giveaway. We're giving away the Reaper rail. Y'all stay tuned for details because uh, we'll be announcing it on all of our social outlets. So we appreciate you dropping by brother. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Have a great season. Yes, sir. You too. All right. Our good friend, Matt Baines of Kofi Yeager Industries. That segment Brought to you by Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue, where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, whether you're coming off the lake or coming home from the deer lease, duck blind. Make sure you make it Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue. Hey, 
grab a cold, uh, grab a cold Lone Star while you're in there. Great combination. Uh, we will be right back with an interesting roundtable from some of my longtime friends in the outdoor industry. We've got Andrew Jennings from Ducks Unlimited, Linda Powell of Mossberg Firearms, and Andrew Howard of Howard Communications and Kent Cartridge. We all met up along the Texas coast last weekend for uh, some teal hunting action and then sat down for a roundtable discussion. And we'll take a listen to that conversation after the break on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I saw you leaning on a memory With your back turned to the crowd In that little bar on Murphy Where they play guitar too loud There were people drinking whiskey There were hearts about to leave Did you know that you can manage specifically for wildlife? Yep, yep, birds and deer don't show up on cue. We all know that. You need a plan to attract them. That's where Plateau Land and Wildlife comes in. If you're a landowner currently in ag and you're done messing with cattle and mending fences, but you want the same low property taxes for less work, well, you know what to do. Check out my friends over at Plateau Wildlife. Call 866-256-2935 or go to PlateauWildlife.com today. Hey, hey, all you waterfowl junkies out there. Cable here for TX Duck Blinds. Highly durable and highly mobile customized duck blinds built by duck hunters for duck hunters. Each blind is built from solid steel by professional welders and field tested before shipment. A duck season will come and go, but guess what? Your TX Duck Blind is built to last. Customize yours today by calling 817-965-1306. You can also find them at texasduckblinds.com or check them out on Instagram and Facebook at TX Duck Blinds. Pike County, Illinois, and the surrounding area is hallowed ground for whitetail hunters. And with 21 years' experience, Golden Triangle Whitetails is the oldest outfitter in the state. Spread out over 14,000 acres, they have 350 acres of food plots, 500 tree stands, and over 80 box blinds. The guides take pride in having hunters harvest giant Midwest bucks. Golden Triangle Whitetail hunts the Illinois archery, shotgun, and muzzleloader season. They have a full-time chef and excellent lodging. Book your whitetail hunt of a lifetime by going to www.goldentrianglewhitetail.com today. Hey guys, Cable here, and I need to tell you about the Go Wild app. If you've experienced any kind of hatred on social media from anti-hunters, from tree huggers, and the like, then check out the growing Go Wild community. It's free. It's available for both iPhones and Android. It's a great place to trade hunting and fishing stories, recipes, and share some of those bragging board moments of your outdoor successes. Check it out. It's the Go Wild app, available for both iPhones and Androids. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, everybody. This is uh, Dave Pereira from the uh, Tuli.com, and I want to thank you for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm man, and the only thing I ever hammered worth a damn was a fender in a rock and roll band. I can't pull no car apart. But I can fix a broken heart And we could build a dream right where we stand 
Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Uh, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well, our longtime presenting sponsors. Uh, thanks to you guys and gals for making it a point to be here today. Whether you are tuned in on the radio or checking out the podcast, either way, just glad to have you here. As many states, Texas included, will open up their archery seasons this weekend or this week. Uh, Oklahoma opens Monday. And uh, so you all be sure to wear that safety harness when you climb that tree. Uh, please do that. Not for me. Do it for your loved ones. They'll appreciate it. This segment of the show is brought to you by Sendero Seed Company. Uh, they've got anything and everything you need to keep a happy and healthy whitetail herd, including the Dr. Deer-backed Buck Forage Oats. Check them out at SenderoSeed.com or call Rob Hughes at one 610 seed today. We'll move and ride along here. Last week I had the chance, uh, the opportunity to do something pretty neat. The guys from Kent Cartridge put together a media hunt for early teal season. So they flew us down to Houston, and from there we hopped in a uh, Suburban and headed two hours down to, well, just outside of El Campo, Texas, and those rice prairies down there were loaded up with blue-winged teal. And this was facilitated by uh, my buddy Andrew Howard of Howard Communications uh, for Kent Cartridge, a media hunt. Uh, Chris Jennings, the media relations director, jack-of-all-trades for... Ducks Unlimited was also there, as was uh, our longtime friend, and y'all have heard Linda Powell on the show before, but Linda Powell of Mossberg Firearms. And so uh, after one of the hunts, which were fantastic, by the way, the four of us were able to sit down at the lodge and uh, have a cold beer, put the headsets on, and tape this roundtable discussion. And we got into all kinds of stuff, so uh, without further delay, let's go ahead and take a listen. Well, I'm sitting here with uh, some good friends, some that I've known for a long time, some that uh, have been more recent friendships, but uh, we've got Andrew Howard with uh, Howard Communications and Kent Cartridge, who facilitated uh, this rendezvous on the Texas coast. We've got uh, Linda Powell from Mossberg Firearms, longtime friend of the show, who many of y'all have heard on, on the show uh, over the years, and then also Chris Jennings from Ducks Unlimited. Uh, you've been on the show too. I don't think it's been any time recently, Chris. I have. I think it was a couple of years ago. We talked duck numbers and yeah. migration map. Yeah. So first of all, tell us a little bit about what you do with Ducks Unlimited since we're down here teal hunting uh, around El Campo, Texas. Yeah, I work for uh, Ducks Unlimited magazine, and uh, I am the I manage all of our digital media, and then also several sections of the magazine. So right on, right on. And where are you from? I'm originally from Indiana, but I, I live in Memphis, where Ducks Unlimited is headquartered. Yeah. So, growing up in Indiana, w were you more of a waterfowler, deer hunter? I started or? out as a deer hunter, but then became a duck hunter. As soon as I started duck hunting, <laughs> I started selling tree stands. Right. So that's why I tell people. Right on. Right on. Linda, a longtime friend of the show, uh, and we've talked. We've had a lot of good conversation of just uh, you know our recent hunting experience and stuff like that. Uh, we always talk bear hunting, it seems like, because... Yes, we do. <laughs> you said you've been on 32 bear hunts now? Correct. And uh, you've taken brown bears in Russia. Yes. And... Uh, uh, Alaska, uh -huh. and then black bears across the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, so what is it about bear hunting that uh, that really strikes your fancy? You know, first of all, I think I really enjoy hunting something that's a predator. I, I like that sense of knowing that there's something that could actually <laughs> harm me. <laughs> right. 
Um, but I'm also fascinated by bears and the fact that the environment that they live in, I've hunted them on the coast of North Carolina. I've even seen photos of them actually out on the beach. Uh, and then, like you said, Alaska and Russia, I think the fact that they live in such a varied environment. Um, so impressed with the agility of them. Uh, you, you know, it's just a, a really challenging animal to hunt. Yeah. And most people don't view them that way. Yeah. Well, it, it certainly it, it depends on where you're hunting them, I think. is uh, There there are harder ways to spot. Spot and stalk is obviously much more difficult than much more difficult. sitting in a tree stand. But people want to judge you for hunting over bait, you know. And the thing is, is like, especially in like the boreal forest and places like that, maybe Maine, uh, you're not going to see the bears unless you bring them in. No, and, and one of the things I tell people about hunting over bait, it gives you the opportunity to truly judge the mm-hmm. bear and make a really wise decision. I mean, you're obviously trying to take out the older, mature boars, and that will help increase the population. Yeah. And so, baited hunt gives you that opportunity. Um, I personally have tried, you know, the spot and stalk, hunting with dogs, predator calling, baited. Um, I just think, honestly, you probably shouldn't make a judgment on how someone hunts until you try it yourself. Absolutely. Well, it's like people judge us in Texas for hunting over deer feeders, but true. You've been, you know, you've been to Mexico and you've been probably to the South Texas brush country. And if you don't have a sendero with a deer feeder, it's like those bears in Maine and Canada. You're not going to see them. It's too thick. That's a great comparison. Yeah, yeah. We've also got Andrew here um, from uh, Howard Communications and Kent Cartridge. Andrew, tell me a little bit about the uh, the Lake of the Woods. You and Chris have been talking about. Uh, I've never been up there, but from the grouse hunting to the wildlife fishing, and that there's actually a bar made out of ice. Absolutely. Yeah, this is something that I need to put on my list. Yeah, so I got introduced to Lake of the Woods at the um, an outdoor rider conference, and they have an auction every year. Support the organizations like the last thing up, and I got a two nights stay and a day of fishing at Lake of the Woods for like a hundred hundred bucks so my wife and i went up there uh it was in february it was negative 30 the first time we went up um I mean, that was my first experience into ice fishing i hadn't been around that you know that whole culture the experience of it or anything and i think i was telling you all like i rolled out of the lodge looking like ralphie from the christmas story like it was i was like this is gonna be terrible like all the locals were just like in a carhartt jacket or like a flannel shirt just waiting for the you know the heated bombardiers to, to roll out so um, yeah, we did the ice fishing thing. It was, had a good time. Then I've been back to the area, I think three more times, hoping to go back here in a couple of weeks uh, for grouse hunting. So right near where we stay, normally stay at the Arneson's Rocky Point um, near the the Baudet area and hunt on the Beltrami National or State Forest. I'm not sure how big it is, but it's vast. And the local rough grouse society has been great as far as you know helping you know get me in a good direction we've got some local context up there as well so the grouse hunting is amazing uh we fished walleye in october as well uh it's also great um my favorite fish to eat probably is walleye so the, you know walleye sauger we caught, caught a few northerns up there and uh no it's been great but I haven't got to do the waterfowl stuff yet but I need to do you that. take your dogs up there i do yeah so i've got two two bird dogs that we travel with i've got a setter and, and an english cocker spaniel and um just something about yeah the especially a setter in the grouse woods it's just uh mm. you know is pretty special yeah and chris uh you mentioned this term earlier which i'd never heard minnesota nice so tell me a little bit about that yeah minnesota nice is uh kind of a phrase that they use up there to describe people people in minnesota are genuinely nice and uh, 
uh, last year had a great experience uh, where I, I, I learned more about Minnesota knives than I actually thought that I ever would. Um, I was going to the same conference that, that Andrew was just referencing, uh, the Great Lakes Outdoor Riders Conference, and didn't book a rental car and ended up calling the Avis there, International Falls, where you fly into, and, and someone had just passed along the information of a, a local that lived in the area that was like, hey, you can call this lady. You know, I'm not going to use her name here, uh, but you can call her and, and see if she can help you out. And so I called her, and she dropped a set of keys in a shoebox off by the side of the door at the airport, literally, and scooped it up and had her minivan for a week, which was fantastic. I mean, there was still, so her, I think her kids' toys and things were still in the van, and we drove around. I spent, uh, I think, nine days up there and duck hunted every day, duck and goose hunted, and, you know, we had dead birds in the back. You know, it was it was literally had a had a family vehicle out for and and it was so cheap and just returned it back and you, know, you turned it to a different city i did i had to <laughs> yeah that's right my uh my flights were got canceled and i had to fly out of bemidji and so it's like two hours away and it's in the exact opposite direction of where international falls is and so i called this lady and i'm like hey can can i take it to bemidji and she's like oh no it's fine i have to go to bemidji you know to go grocery shopping anyway it's no big deal and it was there was absolutely no hesitation and it was minnesota a, nice it was right. a true representation of minnesota nice yeah okay so now also talk about this bar like, okay yeah i i have never been to the bar okay this is just um, so this is just yeah, the thing the, of lore right now this is mm. yeah i was talking about it today and, and i've got several photos from friends of mine who go up there and, and uh, they sit at the bar and the bar is made out of ice and it's probably a couple miles off land and uh, it's completely made of ice blocks. The bar stools are ice blocks. And at the bottom of each stool is a hole. And you have a fishing pole, and you can fish in the bar. While you're drinking your old Milwaukee or whatever it is. Whatever <laughs> it is you may choose to drink. I don't think yet. they have Lone Star up there. But. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm sure they could probably get you Lone Star up there. But, uh, yeah, it's just completely, you know, they're so ice fishing centric. And like Andrew said, it's a great area. I went up there. I've not gone up there to ice fish, mainly because I, I live in Memphis, and I'm mm. not sure if I could survive in minus 30. Right. Um, but, you know, I would be willing to give it a shot. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic place for grouse and, uh, and waterfowl and walleye and pike and sturgeon and just the fishing. Everything is just – it's a fantastic destination. You told me you like to crappie fish during the spring. Andrew and I were talking about spring turkey hunting, and we're, we're both, sounds like, pretty obsessed with it. Uh, for your money's worth, you said if it's a nice spring day, you're going crappie fishing. Absolutely. Do you think crappie's as good as walleye as far as table fare? I those think, are my top. I've never caught yeah. a walleye, but I've eaten it when I've been on those boundary water canoe trips. Yeah, they're close. The mm. best thing about the walleye is that you can you can catch a you know twenty twenty five incher. Mm -hmm. um, and That's so like there's more meat. five crappie. <laughs> yeah, it's more meat, uh, and it's a little more you know it's a little more dense and a little more uh, I, I can say like robust. Is it'll hold together a little better than crappie? Crappie mm. seems, seems to be very very plunging. You have to be careful with it with the walleye. You can most people fry it, which is fantastic. I would never turn that down. But then you can also grill it. You can blacken it. You know, I've had them where you get like blackened walleye, little like they call them fingers, where it's like almost like little mini chicken strips. Those are fantastic, mm -hmm. and you really couldn't. That's what I've had. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't do that with a crappie. Right. They're, you know, crappie's hard to beat, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I I am more of a crappie fisherman than a turkey. Right on. Well, uh, let's let's talk about this, Linda. Um, as Things have changed since Obama got out of office. Thank God we got President Trump elected. Um, we had this Trump slump. It's very well, I mean, it's a common term in the uh, firearms industry. 
has have things picked up in 2018? Because I know 2017 across the board wasn't that great, and uh, people weren't buying weapons out of fear like they were when Obama was in office. Exactly, and I think there was a little bit too of a lot of dealers uh, and retailers had stocked up, anticipating that the election might have gone in the other direction. Mm-hmm. So there was already a lot of inventory in the marketplace. So I think that kind of slowed things a bit. Um, we've definitely seen an increase again this year. And I think what happened, everyone got so tactical focused when they were concerned about ARs being banned or, you know, um, higher capacity shotguns, that everybody was kind of directing all their money and their sales toward buying tactical, you know, whether it be handguns, ARs. And now we're seeing kind of people coming back to purchasing more traditional firearms as well. So hunting guns are picking up some, but that tactical market still is very strong. Mm-hmm. A personal home defense. Right, right. Which you guys have uh, done very well. To, uh, well, we had the shockwave. Which, yeah, shockwave. Uh, which obviously, last year was just phenomenal. You know, available we started on 410 the, all the way up to Yeah, we, we started gauge. with 12 gauge, and then we now have 20 and 410. And then this year, we introduced the MagFed shotgun. Uh, which was our traditional 590 shoulder-mounted gun. Mm-hmm. But we now have a mag-fed shockwave. So for people that are concerned about not having the higher capacity in a shotgun, that's not an issue anymore when you have a 20-round magazine. Right, um, right. But also options of 5, 10, and 15 rounds. So. Right on, right on. Um, Chris, a question for you here. What uh, What do you think is the biggest factors? We're just kind of all over the map, but uh, it's very rare that a group like this gets to have these conversations as far as waterfowl uh, numbers are concerned the number of hunters going into the field every year we've seen a drastic decline over the last 30 40 years you know we've lost like a million duck hunters what is the number one factor as to why our numbers keep going down uh you know i don't know if anyone can pinpoint one specific thing but you know one one thing to note and and you could and, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but, but the actual waterfowl numbers, waterfowl hunter numbers have increased mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. So we've got an uptick here it's recently. Actually, and, and, and which is very unique. I mean, you don't hear that side of the story yeah. a whole lot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the number of waterfowl hunters has increased. Now, is it massive? Not at all. Right. I mean, it's it's not a huge number. And, and by, by all means, yes, we've lost millions of duck hunters over uh, the course of the last 40 years yeah. but, but that number has has maintained and it is you know it appears to be increasing slightly um, you know when you compare it to you know the deer hunters and the you know small game especially yeah yeah I mean they're, they're still declining rapidly where it seems to be from from my standpoint it seems to be that, that the duck hunter number is maintaining um, whether or not that'll last long term one of the biggest factors I and mean, I think everyone will admit is access you know, mm-hmm. access to, to uh, public hunting. Um, and also, you know, having someone take people. I mean, if, if, if you've never been duck hunting, and then you have no idea what it is. I mean, what we did this morning was fantastic. I mean, we laughed. We, we had a good time. We, you know, we missed some. We shot some. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. Sometimes you don't see the whole story. This is my moment to shine, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I wasn't going to bring that up, but... Uh, uh, there might have been a, one solo teal coming in on the right side, and I might have said, I guess loud enough for everyone else to hear, this is my moment to shine, and, and then I forgot to take my safety up. So, But those are the kind of things that people have in the waterfowl blind, you know, when they're duck hunting, whether it's in the field or in the blind, whatever. 
Uh, those are the kind of moments that people remember forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and one of the, the biggest aspects in you know hunter recruitment is, is having someone to bring in a mentor, a youth program that you know Dutchland is very involved in youth programs that you know bring in everything from you know ages to you know four to even into our college programs, which are very strong right now. Um, and that's something that that I think it, it, that's not a duck hunting issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really isn't. I mean. Um, I can speak to the duck hunting a little more because that's where I'm focused, but it's really a hunting issue all across the board is introducing new hunters. And it may not be, you know, everyone's like, you got to bring a kid hunting, got to bring, you know, you have to bring a kid hunting, but you know what? Get your 42 year old neighbor that's Mm -hmm. kind of interested in the outdoors, bring him duck hunting. He may not want to shoot the first time, but let him go. Because sometimes, you know, we had the discussion last night where a lot of times it's the dogs. Oh, yeah. You know, the dogs bring That's people in. And, got me hooked. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe your neighbor's like, man, I, I love hunting with Cable and his dog. And, and just, I'm going to go get a dog. And so it could be anything. You don't know. You know, we don't know exactly what it is. And But but just taking those steps is, is a huge step in the right direction. I do think that that, that hunter access issue is, is uh, a big deal. And, and I've seen it on the lakes that where I started hunting uh, in my early 20s, there's places where I used to kill ducks that now have been developed. And who doesn't want to live on a lake? I understand, you know, you may, people want to retire there. Maybe that's their getaway for the weekend. But now you can't hunt in those places. And you, you hear guys say, how oh, there, there's how we have, a, you know, this epidemic of declining duck hunters. I see more people at the boat ramp than I ever have. But I think it's, you know, less hunters being crowded into much smaller uh, and and Absolutely. and Texas is very bad because yeah. we were talking about the price of deer leases. Uh, oh my God! And and it's the same for duck leases here. Mm-hmm. That uh, ideal of just being able to go knock on doors. It's like yeah, you can hunt there. You mm-hmm. Give me a thousand dollars. You know yeah. that's changed too. Yeah, and that's changed everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you know that is that, that's part of the issue. I mean one, but you know one thing to note is that like the National Wildlife Refuge System is massive. Mm-hmm. And it is a vast resource for not only duck hunters, but all hunters. And something that, you know, you talk to a lot of duck hunters and they're like, oh, you know, I've never, you know, looked into where I can hunt a refuge. I mean, even in Tennessee where I live, there are refuges not too far away that provide access. Now, is it going to be a guaranteed limit? You know, it's going to be work. But in reality, that's what duck hunting is. And, and that's where, you know, you have to look at where you do, where you can find access and where, you know, and get out and try it. It may be, it may be really easy and it may be great hunting. You never know if you don't go. Right, right. Well, now, Andrew is from Missouri. And um, we've had a lot of great conversations uh, over the course of the weekend as we've been down here teal hunting. Uh, like I said, you facilitated this whole thing. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the products that we've been using on this hunt. Uh, obviously, Linda and Mossberg hooked us up with uh, a bunch of, of awesome shotguns, SA-20, SA-28, and then the uh, Silver Reserve over-under as well. And and so those are the shotguns we've been shooting. Uh, as far as the, the Kent ammunition, uh, we've been shooting Teal Steel and the Bismuth. And we actually just got done patterning, uh, which was a lot of fun, but... Let you talk a little bit about both of those. Yeah, so we brought two different loads down. It's kind of neat. You know, as you mentioned, we're shooting small gauge um, for waterfowl, which is sporty. Sporty. <laughs> but, you know, I think we've seen a lot. A Let's lot make of... it harder on ourselves. <laughs> I feel good about it, though. That's right. When I, when I hit one. Well, you know, it's one of those things the gun that we talked about. The guns are, are lighter. It seems like they're, you know, they're easy to handle, especially mm-hmm. in the blind. Uh, you're not getting beat to death, um, you know, by big 
big heavy loads on especially on these teal and we you know this morning um you ended up with what 21 birds and i didn't feel like we really sacrificed a whole lot of performance i think that's one oh, of the yeah. things too that's been you know, as i mentioned i think last night it's kind of neat to see a you know more attention to the smaller gauge stuff because you know i think the ammo is it's more available it's better especially across those um those smaller gauge loads and, and they're making a comeback too. yeah absolutely and as we saw too you know patterning the they perform great you know especially you know, when we put them put them up and shot them and um it's one of those things i think you know people see what you can get you know as far as an ammo choice and it's been you know performed well we're shooting the the kent bismuth 28 gauge uh loads uh what's nice about that they come in a 25 round box now so we're shooting six shot and then and then we had the 20 gauge teal steel um, six shot in that as well and then you know both both perform great and i know our guide um you know chris was talking to him could tell a difference on which were um, the business load shot which were more of the steel one you can see even just the the knockdown power of it but when he was cleaning them yeah cleaning them, yeah. yeah so it's what's nice too is you know you've got the you know wide range depending on you know your budget where you're hunting what you're wanting to do and there's just a lot of great choices for especially those smaller gauge yeah and, and you know i think as we age uh, maybe the the importance of shooting a limit it becomes I know for me personally has become uh, way less uh, of a factor as far as if I had to rank the importance. I used to be angry at ducks, you know. I wanted to shoot a limit, and sometimes I took it personal. If it was like, you know, shoot one or two ducks, I'm like, man, that sucked. Now it's, uh, hey, I got out, took the dog out, watched the sun come up with some buddies, and we shot a few ducks. And uh, and I think, you know that mentality has a lot to do with with the 20 and the 28 coming back as well it's uh it's more it seems more gentlemanly or gentle womanly linda <laughs> yeah like i said it just adds another i think you know fun factor cool factor to the hunt you know it's a neat thing to be able to come out and shoot um you know these kent business load 28 gauge you know out of the out of the mossberg yeah, yeah, today thing. was the first time i've ever shot yeah. a 28 gauge in my entire life right yeah which was awesome yeah yeah and like you saw, I mean, you, I was saying, you know, I was next like, here's, to you in the I'm blind. killing ducks with a toothpick. All right. Like, <laughs> no, you didn't. You were knocking them down. And it, like I said, I don't feel like we sacrificed really any, any performance. No. We saw how well the guns patterned and with the loads. And it was, a, I think, just a nice combination for, for teal hunting. Yeah. Well, hey, this has been a, a great group, a great conversation. We've still got one hunt left. And uh, I appreciate it. And I look forward to the next time we're all four in camp somewhere together. All right, there you have it. Uh, one thing uh, Chris and I did talk about after uh, we turned the microphones off, I wish I would have brought up the federal duck stamp and the, the price, which is now $25. I noticed it when I was purchasing my hunting license and duck stamp at the local sporting goods store. There was a lot of bitching going on by folks who couldn't believe that you had to pay $25 for a duck stamp. And that just blew my mind. Uh, those Those same people are going to spend... 25 bucks on a can of dip, a six pack of beer, and a trip to McDonald's on that first opening day of duck season. Guarantee it. And they're going to complain about the price of the duck stamp going up $10 back, I think it was in 2015, maybe 2016. Uh, but it had been it had been the same price, 15 bucks for over 20 years. Listen, conservation isn't immune to inflation. <laughs> I mean, everything goes up. The price of beer, a can of dip, uh, ammunition for that duck hunt, all of it goes up over time. And uh, and so anyway, Andrew had heard the same thing, a lot of folks complaining about it, and I, I just don't get it. It's a drop in the bucket. Uh, it's generated over a billion dollars for waterfowl conservation since its inception back in, I think, 1934. Maybe it's 1937. Uh, but that is a 
ton of revenue generated for conservation. And, and when you save duck habitat, you are protecting habitat for various other species as well who benefit uh, from those protections and those habitat improvements. So buy your duck stamp. Quit bitching about it. Uh, that segment of the presentation was brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. Check out the Big Chingone. It's what I've got on my deer lease. I call it the Taj Mahal of deer blinds. It's got room for me, uh, the kiddos, shelves, carpet, windows for both rifle and archery. And uh, you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Best blind I've ever sat in. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a break, come back. And we'll discuss the financial benefits of enrolling your property into wildlife management. Maybe it's been in agriculture for a long time. You've got that ag exemption. You're running cattle on your property. Or maybe your landowner is uh, running livestock on his place to get that ag tax break. Well, you might not know, but you can get that tax break by enrolling your property in wildlife management as well. We discuss it next right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. The eyes of a young cottontail I see a coyote sneaking As he crawls through the brush on the hill I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Three Curl Outfitters is now offering guided North Texas quail hunts, just 30 minutes south of DFW if you're looking for a quality quail hunt close to home, planning a company outing, or just looking for a place to tune up your dogs. You need to give them a call. Hunts are $250 a hunter for a half-day hunt. That includes 15 birds, and you can add extra birds for $8 a piece if you want to give your bird dog just a little more run. You're welcome to bring your own dogs. Otherwise, the guide and dog fee is $150 a day for your entire group. That's not per person. Go to 3curl.com or call 214-641-8097 to book your hunt today. Ready on the radio, I won't back down. I called you a brother. But you were closer than my kin And it kills me knowing you may never pass my way again But I hope that every now and then You look back fondly on the days when we were younger men That's one of my favorites there from American Aquarium When we were younger men Kind of makes me think about those Good old days when I was a younger man, chasing ducks, mostly on public water. Uh, we'd oftentimes spend the night at the local WMA just to hold our spot, usually fueled by beer, dip, coffee, you name it. Sometimes we didn't sleep at all, uh, but I don't do that anymore. We've got three kids, and while I still am as passionate about duck hunting as I've ever been, uh, mm-mm. It's more of a 3.30, 4 a.m. wake-up call. <laughs> uh, and definitely got to get some sleep. Uh, Dip-free, five years, though, by the way. Anyway, I'm Cable Smith, and this is the Lone Star Outdoors Show, brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Special thanks to Lone Star Beer. 
and Hoff Power Players as well. We've got an interesting topic to get into in just a second. And, you know, whether you own land or you lease it, because I certainly wish that my landowner would uh, take heed of my advice and, and get all these damn horses off of his property. He's got at least 75 horses on our 950 acres, and they are some destructive sons of bitches. Uh, but if he knew that he could keep his ag exemption, that tax break, by turning the property over you know, solely into wildlife management, he might do it. So I seriously need to have a talk with him. Uh, but maybe you're in a similar situation. You know, Hopefully you own your own place. You're fortunate enough to do that. But if you lease like me, uh, you can always make recommendations as well. And uh, Tim will be here to uh, shed some light on how you can do that, uh, the semantics of you know keeping that tax break, and the benefits of, of putting your property into wildlife. And this segment, by the way, brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, a passionate group of folks who are sincerely dedicated to big game conservation, protecting hunters' rights, and educating the public on sustainable use hunting. Check us out at biggame.org. Certainly love to have you. Uh, okay, well, without further ado, let's bring on Tim Milligan of Plateau Land and Wildlife. Tim, thanks for being here, man. Man, I'm glad to be here. I'm um, looking forward to uh, talking a little bit and uh, seeing what I can learn, too. <laughs> right on. Well, uh, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself as far as uh, what you do? And also, uh, I don't know how much you enjoy hunting or fishing, but uh, tell us what your favorite things to do uh, in the great sure. outdoors to consist of. Sure, sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so I grew up in Austin, Texas. I've uh, been hunting and fishing most of my life. Um, we've got a little property outside of Austin in Garfield that I kind of grew up on and uh, did a lot of hunting out there. I actually um, worked my way into owning way too many bird dogs, <laughs> a lot of qu- do a lot of quail hunting. Um, in fact, some of our, I think at one point, our pa- one of my passwords was too many dogs. I <laughs> uh, love, the, love the dogs, though. They're a lot of fun. I, I do a lot of quail hunting, a lot of fishing. Um, kids love to shoot hogs just like everybody else. Um, got into this business um, a little different than most people um, into the the wildlife part of this thing. I spent 16 years in the car business and decided I wanted to spend a little more time with my family. Mm. Uh, made some made some changes and and a little more time outdoors. Um, kind of lucked into this. Uh, Plateau was here close by where I live now in Dripping Springs. Walked in and talked to these folks and started with the company as a technician, treating fire ants, filling feeders, putting up nest boxes, that kind of thing. And I uh, worked on, stayed with the company, been here a little over 10 years now. And, and uh, it's been a blessing all, all the way through um, getting to deal with landowners and getting to be outdoors. Absolutely. So what do you, you said you've been with uh, Plateau for 10 years. What is your position now? What do you do uh, yeah, on a day-to-day I'm, basis? Sure. So on a day-to-day basis, I'm the sales manager. Um, basically, on a day-to-day basis, I uh, I work with a group of people that make me look like I know what I'm doing. Kind of like my bird. Kind of like my bird dogs. Um, I've got a uh, we've got a staff of biologists here who uh, um, consult with landowners and provide wildlife management plans and consulting. Um, I've got uh, our sales department. We've got region managers in three different areas: uh, the Hill Country South, uh, southern part of the Hill Country, Central Texas, and then the Pines and Prairies region up around the Houston area and out outside of that. Um, then we have an inside kind of a, a sales department that helps landowners get the things they need from us. We provide all kinds of products and services to help help people have a little better experience with wildlife management and make it easier on them. Um, my uh, my life is dealt is um, 
at this point. Uh, my time is spent kind of organizing that and, and making sure that we're um, you know, getting the uh, getting the good word out to as many people as possible and uh, and taking care of our clients most of all. Uh, the most important thing we have, you know, that we've actually got to you know uh, look at a couple of different clients, uh, you know, our landowners that are out there, and then also the appraisal dist- the appraisal districts. You know, we we work to make everyone's job a little easier, um, and I, I get the. I get the good, uh, the good uh, fortune of being able to work with a great group of people here that uh, make this job a lot of fun. It's a, I, my title sales manager, and I, I've been in you know some type of sales most of my life, and this is one of those things I, I, I tell the people that work with me every once in a while. It reminds me a lot of the RV business because people, uh, people we're working with, people we're dealing with, it's not really sales. You know, it's people that are doing th- doing something they want to. Sure. Um, uh, kind of like the difference in the RV business to the car business. You know, some people have to buy a car. Nobody buys an RV that doesn't want to. Right. It's the same with, it's the same with this. You know, people that are moving into wildlife management are looking for a little better way of life sometimes and a little um, a simpler way of owning land, and, and we, get the, we get the good fortune of being able to help them with that. I'm a part owner of an RV. It's about a <laughs> 1974 model, I think. It it doesn't. Oh, yeah. It doesn't run. It just sits at the deer lease and <laughs> mice live in it. You know. So <laughs> I had I had one kind of like that myself for the longest time. I one of my fondest memories was sleeping in the aisle on that thing with the wind blowing up under from underneath the floor. Oh yeah. It was uh yeah it, it was a mess. But they're good to have every once in a while. Oh sure. You could hear the mice run around at night. I mean it's uh, not for the faint of heart. I don't. I've never taken the life <laughs> there. Uh, but uh, I, I'm sure my son won't really care. So. Oh heck no, he'll love it. Yeah. I've got uh, got a couple kids myself, and they uh, they're my my son's my space heater more than anything. <laughs> taking taking him with me and enjoy hunting with both of them. Yeah. Well, so um, do you work with a team of biologists on staff, or once once someone comes, you say, hey, you know, I want to I want to take advantage of your services. What what is the next step there? I do. So we've got, you know, it starts out basically with, you know, folks coming to us or us going to people. We're fixing to start this seminar series where we'll be out talking to people about wildlife management. The thing about wildlife is a lot of folks don't understand it, don't fully understand it, don't even know it's available. It's been around over 20 years and it's still kind of a mystery in some areas. But we do, uh, we work with a team of biologists. So we've got a staff of biologists here. That's one of the things that sets us apart from anyone else who's out there doing that is that, you know, we are a company that does wildlife management consulting and wildlife management plans uh, for landowners and have our own biologists and we don't you know hire independent biologists we have our own staff here so when someone comes to us basically and, and is interested in moving from traditional ag to wildlife management I can give you my example I can give you several examples of kind of how that looks but the first step is meeting with a biologist to find out, you know, kind of what your goals are for the property, uh, what you want to do with your land, and, and what your uh, what your expectations are. Um, getting a good understanding of, you know, what's a, what's available. A lot of people just immediately go to, well, I have to manage for white-tailed deer. It's not necessarily the case. Uh-huh. Uh, don't have to have a. And a lot of folks think you have to have a high fence. That's not the case. A, a good biologist is going to look at your property and look at your goals and make sure that you're doing the, something that you're going to enjoy. Um, not everybody. You know, not everybody. That's one of the other misconceptions. Some people think that once I'm in wildlife management, I can't hunt anymore on my property. That's certainly not true. Um, but not everybody wants to hunt on their property. Some people may just want to enjoy the recreation of of being out there. But um, hunting is a very active part of wildlife management. And a good biologist is going to help people understand kind of what the actual criteria are, what they need to do, help them understand what's um, appropriate for their property, um, and to in order to help them reach their goals. And make sure they're not working on a lot of stuff that's not going to work. 
Um, for instance, a guy with 30 acres may uh, may come out and say, well, I want to manage for white-tailed deer. And, you know, technically he can't manage a population of white-tailed deer on 30 acres, so that's probably the wrong thing for oh, managing. Oh, hard to do that on 500 acres. I mean, Right, exactly. Yeah. But there's that, you know, a lot of folks will, will, their first reaction is, well, I guess I'm going to manage for white-tailed deer. Well, we're going to try to help you. Our biologists are going to try to help the person find something that makes sense for them so they have a good experience in wildlife management. One of the things, we, one of the things we've learned is that the more people that are actually actively doing wildlife management on their property and enjoying it and having a good experience with it, the better off everyone else is. The, the appraisal districts get a good feel for it. Other landowners get a good feel for it. And in turn, you know, we end up, you know, as a company, being more successful because more people are looking for that kind of guidance and that kind of help. But, so that's that's basically how it works. A landowner comes to us, says they want to move into wildlife management. Our biologist steps in and helps them do that. Uh-huh. Along with that, Along with that, our plan writing biologists are also registered property tax consultants, so they understand the tax implications of this. They understand how to get you through the appraisal district paperwork and the filing and all that. So we, we do a wildlife management plan. We file it for the landowner to make sure everything's correct, make sure they get comfortably into wildlife management, and then throughout, you know, on through the life of, the, of their uh, owning the property, we can help them as much or as little as needed with different activities and things like that. Sure. Well, so... I guess one thing that I wanted to ask you, and, and a lot of places that I've hunted over the years are ranches that are essentially managed for wildlife but have cattle on them, and we all know why. It's yeah. because you get an ag exemption, a significant sure. tax break. Uh, it sounds like, though, a lot of the times your clients are coming from a place where, hey, they've just been running cattle, now they want to kind of switch towards managing wildlife. Uh, what kind of tax breaks are still – are there still tax breaks available if you say – uh, you know, I want to get the cows off here and, and just manage for wildlife. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. And you know, one of the one of the keys to this is the fact I don't know that many people would, you know, act would move into wildlife management as their ag use if they lost their tax their tax advantage. Um, so you know, when you're in ag, you're, you're in traditional ag, and I, this is you know we've done this on our property for years. All my life growing up, we had livestock. One of the main we weren't cattle producers. One of the main reason we had them was to maintain that that um, that tax advantage. Oh yeah, a lot of times you just lease it to property. some dude who runs cattle on the yeah. Place. Yeah, exactly. Correct. And a lot of people that we work with, that's what they're doing. And at a certain point where where this becomes more of a benefit. So when you're in wildlife management, you're still in ag. Your taxes stay the exact same. It's Uh just a different ag. It's just a different ag use. So you take the guy that has livestock on his property now. And he just, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't want to run livestock anymore, doesn't want to deal with the cattle tenant. Maybe the fences are going down. Or our place ran out of water and you know, during the drought. We, mm. The ponds dried up. We had turned the water off years ago. Um, this is long since, you know, my parents had, had, had passed. And um, it was just, a, you know, time to change. And so we just changed our ag use from traditional ag grazing to wildlife management. So now we manage for white-tailed deer, songbirds, turkeys, small animals, feeding, watering, whatever we're doing for wildlife. We we are doing that as our ag use now. So I I like to say you know it's basically your wildlife management activities like putting out water feeder those kind of things are what you're doing instead of feeding cows or uh-huh. instead of building you know fixing fences that kind of thing. So your taxes stay the same. That's the advantage of this. It's wildlife management is an ag use. So you're still it's still open space value. That's what this is. it's called a one d one open space valuation. That's what gets you your lower taxes. Um, so it's just another form of ag. Um, you know it's. 
I don't. I try not to oversimplify it, but it is basically just an alternative ag use is what wildlife management is. The benefit to hunters this is kind of interesting because I've worked with a lot of landowners who have switched to this, you know, switched to wildlife management for that particular reason of making a place more huntable. Uh-huh. Um, one ranch I I can vividly think about right now in, in Gillespie County where my brother-in-law and I were on it, and the, he had several, you know, a bunch of longhorns, a bunch of other animals out there, and you had to fence off everything. All the feeders had to be well fenced off, or else stuff is going to get in there and just tear them up. Oh my gosh, um, horses! I've got what, my place in Oklahoma. Oh yeah, now, at least they are. Yeah, literally, they destroyed my oh, truck. Awesome. They did four thousand yeah. dollars worth of damage to my truck. Every yeah. single panel had paint shoot off. I don't know why they like that, but the landowner was like, "Oh yeah, they're like uh, these colts are like puppies. They just like to chew crap up." And I was like, "Yeah, it's weird. They they well, done that. We had them growing up, and they used to do that to our. You, they would be nowhere. You wouldn't see them, and you'd think, well, 'Well, I'm all right. I can park my truck here and leave it for a little while.' And by the time you got back, oh hell no, standing there <laughs> chewing on it for hours. Yeah, yeah. I got barbed wire enclosures where I just park my truck now yeah. just to keep them off. The deer yeah. hunting good so i'm not i'm not leaving but man those horses are <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure. but that was the that was the benefit of going into wildlife management for this place was that it made the deer hunting it made the hunting experience better um you know when i run my quail hunts i you know i do quail hunts every once in a while when i run those and there's cows walking around through the field it just doesn't feel as natural mm-hmm. um when we're deer hunting out there and the cows are you know all of a sudden the feeder goes off and the cows are walking up you know that's that's one of the things that wildlife management can can be an advantage. Landowners that have cattle tenants are you know are just fine, and and that's I, we certainly don't have anything against livestock. I against you know any any form of ag. Um, we've all done it. We've all been in it. I'm still you know I still have cows on my place. So you can have both. Uh, one of the benefits of wildlife management is that you don't necessarily have to have the number of cows that you might have to have to qualify for your ag exemption if wildlife is your is your ag use. So on my place, you know, it may be that we have to have 20 or 30 head of cows in order to be in order to have an ag valuation or ag exemption. Um, well, now that I'm in wildlife, wildlife is my primary ag use. So I'm I've got feeders out there. We do game surveys. We do fire ant treatment. We shoot hogs. We do a bunch of other kinds of wildlife activities but we've still got six or seven cows because we want them right um you know that's just that's we've always enjoyed them and and so you can have a little bit of both um but uh again i a uh, di- bunch of different scenarios bunch of different ways this can go for hunting operations it's a it's really you know it kind of opens things up a little bit you know you're not as i so you know one of the things that some people you know will pause for a minute is like okay you've got a hunting operation you got a hunting ranch and you got a cattle tenant out there obviously ag is not hard for you you know you got a guy running cows out there you're not having to spend a whole lot of time doing anything and you've got hunting tenants coming out who are hunting on the property well for a couple of these properties i've worked with we basically shifted it from you had a cattle tenant who would bring cows out and that's how the guy got his ag exemption to the hunting tenants took care of the wildlife management activities and that's how he got his ag exemption so now he no longer necessarily needed the cattle tenant mm-hmm. um, he could have his hunters fill feeders put out pro you know put out protein run game surveys do predator control stuff they're doing on the ranch anyway and put out water that kind of thing and all those things help now they're know. just documenting it and keep yeah they're documenting it break. exactly yeah. Yeah, exactly, and that's how he got the tax break. That's how he got kept his ag exemption is through that. Right on, Tim. Well, hey, we do need to uh, knock out a quick commercial break, but I'm certainly enjoying the conversation, finding it very informative. So uh, we'll uh, we'll take care of a few sponsors here, come back and pick up the conversation. That segment was brought to you by Pulsar, night vision and thermal imaging technology. Hey, 
They make the best thermals on the market. I've got the Pulsar Trail XP50, and it has an internal recording device. Um, doesn't need those CR123 batteries that we all hated using back in the Stone Age. No. It's got rechargeable lithium batteries that uh, make things a lot more convenient. It's the Pulsar Trail, the best thermal on the market. You can find it at PulsarNV.com. We'll be right back with more from our good friend Tim Milligan of Plateau Wind and Wildlife. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. And Rio Grande runs But nobody seems to notice What's new about a, a cloudy house In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. And I got this girl back home I call my wife. If you ever met her, I swear she would change your life. She's got a little wild streak in her heart. Been saying hallelujah every day. I like to hear the highway sound. And I don't think that I'll ever settle down. There's a little threadbare gypsy soul, Pat Green, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith Riding Shotgun with you today. Thanks so much for being here as we are rocking and rolling. Uh, we've got an interesting topic that we're diving into. Uh, if you're a landowner or a leaseholder, which uh, many of us Texans and, and Southerners certainly are, uh, that's how we gain access to, to hunt whitetails, hogs, turkey, uh, you name it, quail, um, so on and so forth. But uh, you might want to consider putting your property into wildlife management, removing it from, let's say, an ag exemption. But you also want to keep that tax break because, let's face it, that's why so many landowners have cattle. Uh, not everyone is a big cattle producer, but damn near every ranch has cows on it uh, to get that ag exemption. So if you're tired of looking at cow crap and uh, mending fences and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with cows. I love them. Love to eat them. Uh, but maybe you just don't want them on your place anymore and you still want to keep that money in your pocket. Well, we've got our friend Tim Milligan from Plateau Land and Wildlife here with us today. Before we pick it back up with Tim, however, this segment of the presentation proudly brought to you by First Light. Yep, yep. Uh, you guys have seen me wearing First Light now for almost a year. And it, it truly is the best gear that I've ever 
been fortunate enough to wear. Uh, I'm extremely excited about the new Catalyst system. I think it's one that all Southern whitetail hunters are going to want to give it a hard look for this fall. Uh, I'll be giving it a test drive <laughs> this weekend, sitting in the tree stand. So check it out. It's the Catalyst system. Got a top and pants, and you can find it at firstlight.com. First light, first light, go further, stay longer. Uh, all right, well, let's jump back into it here with Tim. And and like I was saying earlier, Tim, I've got a lease in uh, on the Texas side of things up around Wichita Falls and then one in uh, Oklahoma as well. Both places have livestock. And, uh, you know, it's it's a headache sometimes, especially those damn horses, like I've alluded to, so destructive, uh, you know, always tearing stuff up. And of course, it's the landowner's decision. Uh, he can do whatever the hell he wants. It's his place. I wish that he would enroll his property into wildlife management because let's face it, it'd be better for me, but it'd also be better for the land uh, to not be overgrazed. No, it's for the hunters out there, you know, the, like yourself, who are leasing from someone who has land. You know, I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do with their property. You know, we had cows all my life and, you know, growing up, and that's what that's what my dad loved, you know, and so I'm not trying to tell anyone. Oh, sure. The wildlife management can benefit your property. It can benefit the landowner. It's an easier, little, little more simpler way of handling things. You know, when you have a cattle tenant, obviously it's not a big burden, but if you're going to lose your hunting tenants, you know, um, because maybe the cows are making it difficult to hunt, there was a, a property where I was running quail hunts on, and I basically, we came to a point where, I bought off the cattle lease um, <laughs> to get the cows off the place um, because we weren't we weren't going to have any habitat left. They were you know it was during the drought and the cows were just you know tearing it apart, and we had to do something. And in order to have cover, we had to remove the cows. And wildlife management allowed us to do that. You know, being able to manage for wildlife and remove the cows off and still maintain that. I, you'd never get a landowner to take his cows off if he thought he was going to lose his ag exemption. Sure. But if you or lose the lease fee. Or lose a lease fee, exactly. Yeah. But if you were able to, as a leasee, you know, if you've got a landowner and maybe the cows are, you know, getting in the way for whatever reason, um, you might, you know, you could mention to them that, hey, wildlife management is an option. Um, you could, you know, we could do we could do the activities for you, maintain your feeders, maintain the water, take photographs, document everything, and you don't necessarily need the cows. Um, if cows are making you money, that's one thing. Um, and there are people I've got, you know, friends and relatives that uh, make their living doing this. So I'm not, again, trying to. Oh, of course not. No, we're, we're they should big be. fans of the ranching industry. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's uh, this is not uh, this is just an alternative for the landowner. You know, it's yeah. a different way of maintaining your ag exemption, maintaining your ag valuation. Um, and for wow. some landowners that just can't do traditional ag anymore. We yeah. we had our own reasons for doing it. Everybody has their own reasons for doing it. It's, sometimes it's a. Uh, you know, people getting older and just getting, you know, they want to have a change of uh, change of scenery. They want to, you know, we were tied to the ranch. You know, those cows are your animals. You've got to keep them alive. They're kind of like my bird dogs. I can't leave for a long time because i got to keep the bird dogs fed. Right, right. Cows are yours. If, you know, if a cow gets out on a, one of the big the big pushes for us where we were on the highway, and if a cow gets out on the highway, that's a that's an issue. That's my cow. Um, there's all you know, lots of laws in Texas to protect you, but the bottom line is if somebody hits that cow and, God forbid, someone gets hurt or killed, they're going to come after that landowner. Uh, whereas if a deer jumps my fence and runs across the highway and gets hit, that's not my deer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I almost hit a cow uh, about 4 o'clock in the morning going up to Ray Roberts for a duck hunt about 10 years that, ago and sitting there with my buddy, and he goes, Oh, S, look out. And yeah, sure yeah. Enough, um, you know, black cow is hard to see. It, 
you know, in the dark. Yeah. And there he was uh, in the middle of, uh, you know, two-lane country highway. I was just like, what the hell? Yeah, no, that's some scary stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you think other states, you know, because obviously in Texas we have this symbiotic uh, relationship between ranching and, and hunting. I don't know if you look across the rest of the country if it's uh, the same. Texas is so fractured, you know, privately owned. Uh, we don't have all the public land that some of the western states do, but I was just kind of, I wonder if they are experience the same thing. You know, I don't know. I know, you know, our, our law firm here does, you know, a lot of business in some of the other states, New Mexico and, and Florida and some others. We're, you know, we've, uh, most of my experience is in Texas and mm-hmm. I don't have, uh, you know, at this point don't have that much information. I was talking to a guy the other day who was telling me that Florida, Florida has something similar um, to the ag exemption, the ag valuation we have here. And it made me kind of perk up and want to look into it because we are looking at, you know, expanding and, and um, right now we're still looking at, you know, kind of, conquering texas making sure we get the the word out to everyone in texas you know there's obviously there's areas where this is more prevalent and more more needed more necessary you know you look at the hill country that's where we started it's harder to graze animals in the hill country it's just different um you know you got you own a cedar covered rock and you're expected to put a certain number of animals and fencing is terribly difficult and and expensive and our place was out near bastrop and garfield and fencing was never an issue because you know as kids we could build the fence ourselves yeah um i wouldn't want to build a fence on my place here in dripping springs it would you know i don't have the backbone for it you got to hire somebody with a rock saw and a and a rock drill and everything else um so there are places where this is more prevalent. You know, I was talking to my son one time, and we don't do a lot up around Lubbock. Well, you know, we had a farm growing up in the, out in the Lubbock area, and it, that's those people are growing our food. You know, they're um, you know that that land is built for farming, and uh, those people are in that's their ag use is, is farming. And you've got I've got a good friend who's got a, I guess probably a five thousand acre grain farm. To ask him to move from this from Farming grain to wildlife management just doesn't make any sense. Sure, it's about it's about what your primary use is. So you can't, you know, you couldn't farm still and be in wildlife management. It doesn't mean you can't manage for wildlife. It's just wildlife management wouldn't be your ag use. So you know, it's it's more prevalent in other in in certain areas. But we are you know, kind of looking up, you know, around the Dallas area, moving up that way and um, north of Dallas. There's a lot of beautiful beautiful country. We kind of, you know, the wildlife management is more popular where the land. Gets it's more attractive, um, and where the property values increase. Um, that's one of the things about it. There's, uh, for some folks, there's very little risk in you know losing their ag valuation. You know, you've got land along river bottoms and things where maybe the county catches on to the fact that you're not grazing as much as you should, or your fences have gone down and you don't have the cows out there you should. That's where wildlife management comes in, and oftentimes, and people that just can't run cows anymore for whatever reason. Um, or you know whatever their traditional means of ag was, they need an alternative. Like wildlife management is an alternative for those folks. It's sometimes it's easier on a place that you can't fence. Obviously, it's easier to manage for wildlife. You don't have to have fences. Yeah, fence, low fence, no fence. It doesn't matter. Well, so let me ask you this: So I'm the landowner, and I, I want to you know get my property into wildlife management. Is that through like the actual paperwork and everything? Is that going to be through Texas Parks and Wildlife or like the uh, ag department? I mean, who who initially? Uh, handles that as far as through sure. the state. Sure. So, so the paperwork and the guidelines, uh, the applications and the guidelines come from Texas Parks and Wildlife. Uh, they, 
you know, they created all that and uh, keep it up to date. It's the law itself is in the tax code with the comptroller and all the guidelines are kind of they've got a large guideline book there. But but the applications come from Texas Parks and Wildlife. However, they don't administer the program. They've they created the program and they you know they work on the guidelines and and uh, and kind of you know keep the program up. The your appraisal districts are the ones that you answer to basically. Um, so it's the applications are filed with the appraisal districts. The ag extensions know something about this as well. There, you know, someone can help you. Um, Texas Parks and Wildlife certainly is where you can get some guidance, other than you know someone like us. Uh, we came along as a private company 20 years ago because Texas Parks and Wildlife is as you know as much as they try, you know they they can't get they can't get to everyone. Right, and uh, we found the our, our owners found that not enough people were doing this, um, considering the move to wildlife management. Even though they needed to, they weren't considering it because they couldn't get the help they needed necessarily, or not in a timely manner. Um, and so this company came along and was formed. And you know, with the ability of being a private company, we have the ability to get to anyone who needs us um, because they're paying for it, yeah. basically. And so they get that guidance that they need to get the answers that they need. And so the appraisal districts are where the applications go, and they're the ones that monitor the property um, if it needs monitoring if they you know, a lot of appraisal districts they'll get your application they'll get your wildlife management plan um, they'll find out in the first year that you're doing what's expected whether you know keeping up with the activities those kind of things and then from that point you don't hear a lot out of them um, just like you just like you would in traditional ag you know we had cows on our property for decades and never heard anything out of the appraisal districts once we moved to wildlife management um, they do ask for an annual annual report at the end of the year. So they'll ask us what we did in wildlife management. Uh, the reason they do that is that you know they, they can't tell what we're doing. They don't know if we've got feeders, water, if we're shooting hogs, or what kind of activities we're doing. But they have to have some way to prove that we have an ag that we're performing ag use, you know, some type of ag use, which is wildlife management. When we had cows on our place, and that was our primary use, believe me, they could tell it was grazed. They yeah. Could drive down. <laughs> they could drive down 71 at 80 miles an hour and say, okay, the, they've still got their cows out there. Right. Wasn't hard to tell. Wildlife management makes, you know, it, it can make the appraisal district's job a little bit harder, and that's why, you know, our big focus is to make sure landowners know what's expected of them, that they do the activities they're supposed to do, so the appraisal districts get, you know, uh, it makes their job a little easier. When you're doing what you need to do and you're documenting it well and you turn in that good annual report at the end of the first year that brings the guard down now okay well this landowner knows what they're supposed to be doing they're doing it and uh, everything's good from there we help landowners with a lot of that stuff as far as you know the documentation we do uh, we may do 800 annual reports this year where landowners treat us kind of like an accountant they'll just send us all their documentation photographs um, the logs and and, um, harvest records that kind of stuff and we'll compile it all into a report to send to the county and um, at that point you really don't have a whole lot to work to worry about as long especially if we're if we're helping you right well so uh, let me ask you this as we're running short on time here but sure uh you guys are kind of trying to get involved with the local communities you have a bunch of free webinars and uh seminars actually seminars in the local communities happy hours are coming up here over the next couple of weeks uh tell us a little bit about those yeah, so we've been doing we've been doing seminars for years. Um, that's one of the most effective ways we've found to be able to get the word out to landowners. And so we go to their area, we go to the areas where where landowners live, and we try to hold an event to where they can come and get good education about wildlife management. Part of the mission of this company is to make sure we get as much good information about wildlife management out to as many people as we can. Um, the webinars are something we started up a few years back because we found that hey, a lot of people are busy now and getting to us on the website 
is just easier um, and it makes more sense. It's a lot of the same good information. Webinar series is great because we have a lot of our biologists involved in that. The region managers that we have are running around here in the next in the coming months in Houston, San Antonio, Austin, Conroe area, um, Lakeway. I think we've got a, a seminar coming up in uh, New Braunfels and Fredericksburg, um, and one in Columbus actually. Um, these are called they're they're called the Get Wildlife Happy Hours, and so we've taken our seminars to kind of another level where we're having food and beverage at the seminars. Uh, we'll have a little more of an interactive, just you know, time for people to converse and have a little fun. And then there'll be a presentation about wildlife management, uh, where we'll go into the ins and outs of wildlife management, how it works, what to expect, what the activities are, so landowners get a good feeling, a good understanding of if I do this, what am I getting into? Um, the ins and outs of the law what, and will answer a lot of questions. And of course, it's a great chance for landowners to ask us questions. But they're happening. They're on our website. Um, if you get a chance to go to the website, you, if the landowners are listening, they've probably gotten an invitation from us if they're in the area of one of these um, to the webinar. I mean, tar, sorry, to the seminars. They're on our website at plateauwildlife.com. If you go to the events page, there's actually a little pop-up that'll come up, and then you can go on either one of those and and look up some more information about them. So, so deer and beer so, sounds good. I'm, deer I'm and beer, deer and beer, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all we, right. were, we we thought of all kinds of different ways to to present this, but uh, a lot of them are taken. But you know, it's uh, it'll be a good time, and it, it's something that you know we're passionate about. We love doing it. I've um, given a, probably a hundred of these presentations myself, and. Uh, they we change them up every once in a while a little bit, but the the gist of it is making sure that landowners know when they leave there, they'll know how the wildlife valuation works, how wildlife works as your ag use, so how moving from cows to what do we call it, um, cattle to critters. Mm. Um, and again, keep in mind, it doesn't mean you can't have any cows. It's just that's not your primary use. You can sure. manage wildlife as as your primary use, but it's just they'll have a good understanding of how it works. Um, whether or not they qualify, um, and anybody that got an invitation from us qualifies, um, whether or not they qualify, and, and what to expect, what it's going to cost going forward, uh, what it costs to have us help them with wildlife management, to write their wildlife management plan and file it with the county, that kind of thing, and then what kind of expectation they might have for the next you know, 10, 20 years if they're going to remain in wildlife that long. And the other thing to remember is you can go back and forth. So a lot of landowners will do this to get a break. Um, they'll come and go into wildlife for five or six years, ten years, and then, you know, maybe um, as time goes on, they decide, okay, well, the grass has come back, everything's better. I want to move back into traditional ag for a little while. Um, it's good for families as well, as far as you know, um, people that just need to make a change now. And then maybe one of the siblings or someone comes along later, someone buys the place and decides, hey, I want to move it back into livestock. You're still in ag, so it's not hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, you can move you can move back and forth. But you'll learn that's what we – this is the kind of stuff we talk about at the seminars. I, I could go on forever. It's, a lot of, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to talk about, and it's, uh, it's good information. Right on. Well, Tim, we certainly appreciate it. I encourage folks to go to the website and check out uh, the calendar for those upcoming happy hours. And uh look forward to uh, to visiting with you again somewhere on down the road. Well, I look forward to it, Cable. It's been great. Um, good luck with your show, and uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. And, again, the website's PlateauWildlife.com. Uh, you certainly call um, call our office anytime you want to. I'm usually here. And, again, it's been, a, been enjoyable. I really appreciate the time. Likewise. Thanks again, Tim. Thank you, sir. All right. There he goes, our good friend Tim Milligan of Plateau Land and Wildlife. Be sure to check out those uh, happy hour Seminars sounds like a lot of fun. Deer and beer, I'd be down for that for sure. Uh, but those will be taking place across much of Texas over the next couple weeks. Uh, that segment 
by the way, was brought to you by John X Safaris. We've got our trip booked for 2019. The Lone Star Outdoor Show trip will take place June 7th through the 15th. I think I've got five hunters signed up. Room for three more. If you and your buddies uh, want to join me on the trip of a lifetime with John X Safaris in South Africa. Truly is a trip of a lifetime. Uh, for more information, just shoot me an email. Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Unfortunately, just looking at the clock here, got to go, got to get out of here. My butt has a date with a tree stand. It is opening weekend of whitetail season. I'm sure many of y'all have similar plans. Uh, do wear your safety harness, guys, gals. It's not worth the risk. I have a great opener. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. She's a brown country girl. She's riding at a Texas guy. And everyone's gonna ask her to dance and try to steer her night. Yeah,